Thank you for that, Connie. Uh, during the beginning of the offering, there was a show on the slideshow from Winter Camp that Centennial Baptist School had last week. And uh, we just always like to thank the church for having that ministry and making an impact in those kids' lives. And, and so they wanted to show that this morning. And the theme this year was You Are Chosen. And I know it's a great camp. Many children, uh, young people, don't want to call them children, many teens made uh, great decisions for God. Well, this week is Love Works Week, and it's one of our favorite weeks of the year. And yeah, we have a lot of uh, things available and going on this week. Monday, there is no specific uh, activity that we have planned. What we're asking you to do is to take one or two or three of these and to go out in the community and to do something nice for somebody, okay? Pay for somebody's gas, uh, pay for somebody's lunch behind you at lunch, uh, go through a, a Dutch Brothers or a, a coffee place and pay for the person behind you. And at Dutch Brothers, that's as easy as having a stamp card that's all filled out and just give it to the cashier and say, use this for the next person, and they can get whatever they want, okay? They can get a, a large, double torture 911 you know, whatever. So, uh, but take this with you. And, and when you do it, just give this out. And uh, this just has uh, the website where a person could find Jesus Christ. They can find out more about our church. And uh, so there's, these are out on the table with the t-shirts. They're also at Connection Point. And so grab some of those cards. That's Monday. It's kind of the, the coffee day, get the week started thing. Tuesday is a special event where we're going to go to Canyon Springs High School in downtown Caldwell. Canyon Springs is a school for underprivileged teens, and we are looking forward to serving their teachers lunch that day. And so this is a project that's going to be done with a lot of our teens are going to be involved in this. But if you'd like to help, I want you to talk to Melissa Cornwall and see how you could be a help in that. They're going to provide a great lunch that day for the teachers at Canyon Springs. Wednesday in the evening, uh, our youth group here at church has a special project that we're really excited about. They are going to go hand out personalized valentines at Karcher Estates. Okay, so they're going to leave the church at 6.15. And if you'd like to go on this project, uh, they're going to meet at Karcher Estates at 6.30. And if you'd like to go, maybe you have a a toddler and tell you, you want to see some faces light up. You go into Cartier Estates and give out some Valentines, and you're going to see some really excited folks. And, and so we're excited about that project as well. Now, there's three specific projects toward the end of the week. We've got something every day. Uh, Monday, told you about that. Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday are the ones that we actually are going to pass out some envelopes and get your help with. And then Sunday, of course, is Public Servants Day. So every day for seven days, we have projects. Thursday, our project is for the Lighthouse Rescue Mission uh, over in Nampa. And uh, we need uh, three groups of people, really, to help with this. We need two people who would help with the grounds there at the facility, trying to keep up with the grounds a little bit, maybe doing some cleanup. We need four people who will uh, help in apartment cleaning there. And uh, then also we need five people who will help in the main shelter with cleaning and some other projects. And if you can, wear your Love Week Works t-shirts when you go. All right, so that's 11 people for that project. If you would be able to help with the outdoor... I'm going to have Brother Aaron help me. 
uh, let's just get these out to you. And this has all the information right in this envelope that you need. Be able to help with the outdoor on Thursday morning at Lighthouse Project. Anybody? Any takers on that? Need two of them. Okay, we got one right here. That was pretty easy standing right there. One right there. Okay? Now, uh, this is indoors, so no matter what the weather is, you can do this. This is four people helping with apartment cleaning. And they're going to provide all the supplies that you need, but you're going to be helping the shelter with some of their apartments. Okay? Good. We've got right back here. Thank you, Leanne. Bo's got his hand up too. Okay? And we need two more on that one. Two more to help with that project. I know it's at a time when a lot of you are working, but we appreciate your help with that. Okay? We've got one more. One more taker on that, helping with the apartment cleaning. And we're going to take the van, if everybody wants to meet at church, and yeah, take the van and have everybody in the van together, or you can drive on your own. Either way. Don't All right. Rush at once now. Yeah. One more. Apartment cleaning. They provide all the supplies. Did I mention that? Okay. And then, since cleaning seems to be such a hit, we have five people (laughs) to help in the main shelter, connecting with people and kind of cleaning up in the main shelter. We've got five that we need for that. Who would be able to help with that one? Okay. Anybody? Five people, Thursday morning from 9 to 11. Got it? Okay, we got one right back here. Great, thank you. <laughs> She's going to do the work of five people. All right, anybody else going to take on that? Okay, here's what we're going to do. God's going to reveal conviction on your hearts through the whole service, and we're going to have um, Melissa put these back at the table. I know a lot of you are working on Thursday. That's a tough time on a Thursday morning. Okay, Friday, this was in the afternoon, and this is at Lifeline Pregnancy Center in Napa. And we need six people to help over there. We're going to clean up the grounds outside of the building. And if you can bring, it tells you all this in your information packet, bring gloves, uh, rakes, and pruning shears, trash bags, that type of thing. This is a terrific ministry that helps unwed mothers and uh, really counsels ladies not to have abortions, counsels uh, those who've had abortions and brings them back into a relationship with Christ. And yeah, so we need six people for that one on Friday afternoon. Who can help us with that one? Okay, terrific. We've got, got already a couple hands on that one. Good. Friday afternoon, two to four on that one. Got some others on that one. Back in the back. Terrific. Great. I think we're almost... Almost... Done on that one. Got one there. One more. Only got one more. Okay, we'll put that one out on the table as well. Now, Saturday, this should be a better day, hopefully, for you. This is from 10 to noon on Saturday. Okay? And we can have up to 10 people who will do this. Uh, This is to go over to the warehouse of Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, and to work inside and help them sort through their donations and uh, connect with some of the people who are volunteers there and some of the people who work at the facility. And this is a a great ministry as well. We've worked with them in the past. So this is Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon. Okay, 10 a.m. to noon. And uh, once again, on all of these projects... 
The van from the church will leave about 30 minutes before the project begins if you'd like to ride with our transportation, okay? So you need 10 people on this one. And here we go, Saturday. Well, it's just the day of the week right there. Saturday, perfect. Beautiful. All right, got some right back here. <laughs> I've never seen him run that fast. <laughs> How do you guys see the... Uh, they're going to fight over it. Okay, uh, we do have these other ones that if, you, if your schedule opens up even, and you can help on Thursday or Friday, just call in the office and we'll get you the information. And we're going to have the rest of these envelopes back on the back table there's also maybe one or two places that we still need to hand out public servants' day cards that you could take, and we just appreciate your help so much. I know a lot of people have already been involved, and thank you so much for all that you do to make Love Works work here at Centennial. Make sure you wear your shirts when you come to do your project. Is that what you're telling me? Your jacket. It says it's rubbing the mic. Oh, the jacket's rubbing the mic. Well, I get to take it off then, <laughs> right? That's how easy that is. Boom. Okay, so first Sunday in February, and today we're starting a four-week series called This is Love. The notes are provided in your bulletin, and to begin, I like to read our theme passage for the month. And so make your way toward the tiny book of Second John, okay? Second John. Yeah, this would be interesting to even see if we can get there all together, Second John, tiny little book. It's only 13 verses long. And if you get to the end of the Bible, you've gone too far, okay? It's just before Revelation, and then go back, Jude, Third John, Second John. There in Second John, if you're physically able, would you stand, and we're going to read the first six verses of this book here this morning. Second John... Verse number one, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, as the lady here was the church, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And here's our theme verse, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning... Ye should walk in it. And uh, that's our theme verse. And uh, we'll go from there this morning. Father, would you bless now in this time of the message as we take these short minutes and we focus on what you'd have for each of our lives, what you'd have for us as families, what you'd have for us as a church. And I thank you for the giving and loving heart that you have placed on this local body of believers. And I pray that your hand of protection and blessing 
on all the projects that are taking place, the ones that are group projects uh, that are organized by the church and the ones that are being done by uh, teens and and, uh, life groups and individuals. I pray that you would help us all this week to concentrate even more than normally uh, on loving in your name in our community. We guide us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, hopefully we all understand this morning that God is love. And I, I think that that's kind of a given. We, we know this. And if you've ever been to church just about anywhere, you've heard God is love. First John 4 uh, really explains that to us and lays it out for us. God is the model for love. He's the model for charity. His love is infinite. It's authentic. The Bible says that he manifested or he demonstrated what love is when he offered his only son for his sins. And even though God and his love is one of the most important, really the most important topics of our faith, it's not the focus of this particular series. And so over these next four weeks, we want to find out what it means for us to love him in, we, in return. So you know, we just read here in 2 John, verse number 6. Look at it again. as just the wording stands out. This is love, that we walk after his commandments. Now think about this for just a moment. Our life groups kind of thought about this topic this morning. If our love for Jesus is defined by how well we keep his commandments then obviously that starts with knowing what those commandments are. Okay? And if we, if, if we said, if you love Jesus, you have to keep his commandments, then it would be really important to know what his commandments are. And so that's where we start this morning. The first message in the series is to look at the first commandment. And if you go back a page in your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, now look at first, first John chapter 5. Same human author, led by the Holy Spirit to write these words. Look at verse number 2. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. So there it is again. Verse number 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Now that's, that's an important phrase. That may be one of those phrases that you want to underline in your Bible. His commandments are not grievous. And when you hear the word commandments, maybe you think of a negative. Maybe you think of a set of rules. Maybe you think of the Ten Commandments, and we'll talk about that later. But notice again, His commandments are not grievous. The people who think of God's commandments as burdens, you know, they aren't really aware of the privileges that they have in Christ. Look at the very next verse, and it explains it. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the commandments are the proof of love. For those who are born in God, for those who are part of the God family. And I want you to go back now to the Gospel of John. So we've done 2 John, 1 John, 
And now we're going to the Gospel of John. That's in a totally different place toward the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. You look what Jesus said. Now picture this. This is the night before he's crucified. And he's sitting with his disciples and they're talking about some of the deep spiritual things. And here's what he told them. John chapter 14. And I want to back up to verse number 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. You know what that whole thing's about? It's about love. It's about the Son wanting to please the Father, and the Father wanting to please the Son, and the Father wanting to answer prayers for His children, and about His children loving Him. And so our first part of the message today is, if you love me, if you love me. And we've probably all had people use this phrase on us before, or maybe we've used this phrase ourselves, right? If you love me, do this to prove it. Right? And sometimes there are legitimate issues that are addressed with an if you love me statement. Sometimes, though, it's used as a false barometer for love. Only when what's said after the words, if you love me, aren't really good for the relationship. Where they aren't really good for the person and they aren't really pleasing to God. Dad, if you love me, you'll buy me a new sports car. Right? Mom, if, if you love me, you'll let me spend the night at my boyfriend's house. And a girlfriend, if you love me, you'll let me do things physically with you that God's reserved for marriage, right? Which basically means that, that God has, has made it where it's a controlled thing and it's a blessed thing and it's an enjoyable, wonderful thing. But when it's outside of marriage, it's so harmful to those who experience it. A boyfriend, if you love me, you'll... You'll beat up that guy who looked at me right across the room. And we we do these things, right? If if you love me, you'll climb that tree. It doesn't even make any sense. Now, Now, some guys, we're so smart that if somebody says, you know, they don't have to say, if you love me, you'll climb the tree. All they had to say was, I dare you to climb that tree. All right, and we're like... And it didn't have anything to do with love. It had to do with pride. It had to do with bravado. And sometimes we think that this proving our love thing means that we have to do something so extraordinary on our own. But what we're going to find out this morning is that this thing about keeping His commandments is guided totally by His love for us. The the empowerment of keeping the commandments rests solely in God's love for us, not just in our love for Him. And so when we use this phrase, it's not always coming from the perspective that Jesus had when he spoke these words. Now, there's something else to think about here. You did not have to pass an obedience test to become a part of your earthly family. Right? That's a good thing for all of us. (laughs) Because to become a part of an earthly family, you were either born or adopted into the family unconditionally. It didn't have anything to do with your obedience, right? Baby, 
I know you were just born, but before we take you to our house, you have to stop crying. <laughs> right? Baby, I know that you were just born, but if you have one more dirty diaper, you're out. Okay? Uh, look, there's, there's a limit here. You can wake us up twice during the night, but if you wake us up the third time, we take you back to the hospital. Okay? So there's no basis there of obedience equaling being a part of the family. You were part of the family before there's any expectation of obedience. Right? In fact, you don't even tell your six-month-old really what to do yet. You kind of start to try. And once, some people don't, you know, you get a two-year-old, kind of start to try to tell them what to do because otherwise they run roughshod over you. And I know we have a two-year-old. Um, you start to try to tell them what to do. Why? Because they're part of the family now. And maybe your dad said something to you before. Son, we're Smiths. We don't do that. Right? You're like, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Son, we're, we're Joneses. We don't do that. I don't, you see how it figures that we do all this stuff. But it didn't really have anything to do with our obedience. And think of this, though. There are and there were some expectations laid out on you once you became a part of the family. There were some family rules that had been established. Now, how many of you are the first child in your family? Okay, so you were the one that the rules were made for, right? Or maybe you were the kid at school that they invented a new rule in the rule book just for you, right? All the people after you is like, what is this dumb rule in the rule book for? Well, there was this kid that graduated back in 87, you know, and, um, and he did this, and we had to make this rule. Well, the firstborn kid is the one that, that gets tested on, right? He's the test model. He's the test product. And uh, parents tried everything on him or her first. Now, how do you know this? I was a firstborn, okay? So everything got tested on me. Try this, okay? And if it goes back up, then maybe you don't have the next kid try that, okay? Uh, go here, do this. And, and we establish rules sometimes, by the first one. But then there are traditions and there are boundaries that have been set. And you didn't have to keep any of them to become a part of the family. But you keep them once you're in the family. Because they're reasonable expectations. You know, there aren't any rules that you can follow to become part of God's family. The only way that anyone can become part of God's family is by new birth. That's what we just read in 1 John 5. And new birth is by grace through faith. It's never by works. Once you're in the family, though, your love for the Father is shown by what you do. Love actually does something. Love doesn't sit like a bump on the log. As my mother used to say, I don't even know what it means, right? A bump, sit like a bump on the log. She probably got it from her father. How many of you understand what that means? Okay, so from you're from the generation where you could actually explain to us what it means, and maybe we could ask you afterward. Love actually does something. 
I just read a book. And if you want a, a stir you up, go for it in life book, there's a guy named Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. And uh, he wrote a book called Love Does. And uh, you get it on Amazon, you get it on Kindle, whatever. It's a great book. And it just talks about his life experiences and applies some of the things that have happened in his life. But you know, when you're in the family, your love for the Father is shown by what you do. And it's been revealed to us that once we're in the family, that it tells us this in Ephesians 2.10, that we are created by God to do good works. And yes, there are family expectations and there are boundaries and there are guidelines. But none of God's guidelines are there to hurt us. None of them are grievous. They're always for our good, and they're for God's glory. Eve got tricked by Satan on this, didn't she? When Satan said, did God really say this, and God's just trying to keep you from this? You know, God's boundaries are always there for a reason. God has rules for a reason, and it's founded on that relationship between God and us. And so we get to this point now where we say, if you love me, and, and so we, we want to ask the question, what are the commandments? Because we gotta, if we want to love God and keep his commandments, what are they? So you guys already know what they are, I'm pretty sure. But the first one we'll talk about today is the great commandment. That's the second part of our message. So go back to Matthew chapter 22 now. Matthew 22, and if, if you don't know where this passage is, um, we're going to read it in just a minute. You may want to put a marker in your Bible so you know where this is. Kind of write it somewhere where you know where the great commandment is in your Bible. In Matthew 22, it's really a remarkable passage. Because what had happened was these religious Jews had all brought their shell games and their card tricks to pull a fast one on Jesus. And, and they were playing gotcha with the Almighty. And, and so the Pharisees had showed up first, and they had sent the Herodians in to ask if it was lawful to pay taxes. Right? So it's lawful to pay taxes. And after that, the Sadducees had come in with this far-fetched story about seven brothers who all ended up having the same wife. And they wondered, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Of course, Jesus had set both groups straight with his wisdom and kind of put them back in their place. <laughs> but now there's a lawyer from the group of scribes, and he's going to take his turn. So here we are, Matthew 22, verse number 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him. So this was not a question that had the motivation of, I really want to know this answer. This is a lawyerly question where I'm going to try to trick you, okay? I'm going to try to tempt you. And here's what the question is. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And so what he's really trying to get Jesus to do is to pick out of the Ten Commandments which one is the most important, right? Jesus, which, out of, which of the commandments could we just hang everything on? And he thought, you know, if Jesus says, thou shalt not bear false witness... Till we've got him. Right? Because how could that be the most important one? Or if he says, Thou shalt not make any graven image, then he's going to say, Well, what about thou shalt have no other gods before me? And if he says, Remember the Sabbath day, he's going to, what, what about honor thy father and mother? 
Right? So he's, that's the way he's thinking. Well, Jesus says back to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So Jesus takes this opportunity to give a clear statement on what is most important for everybody. And we know it now as the great commandment. But look again at what else Jesus called it in verse 38. He called it the first commandment. That's the title of our message today. The first commandment. He said this is the first and great commandment. So this is love. This is commandment number one. Love the Lord your God. And Jesus is quoting here from Deuteronomy 6. What he's trying to do is to get his audience to understand this. If you love the Lord your God with all of your being, you're not going to have any problem keeping the law. You'll want to keep the law because you love the Lord so much. And it's not going to be a drudgery and it's not going to be a hardship. It's how you love God. The spirit of the law is to love God and the letter of the law is the commandments. And now I want you to go back with me and we're going to look at the most famous set of commandments that's ever been given, and notice not how they disagree with the great commandment, but how they prove the great commandment. So go back to Exodus chapter 20. Children of Israel had just come out of Egypt. And now God was giving them a set of instructions, a set of basics. God had brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and now he's going to give them some words to live by. And in your notes there, we call this the third part, the thou shalts. The thou shalts. The Jews, later the Christians, were often referred to as sheep. Now, it's not because sheep are cuddly and soft that they were referred to that way, but because sheep are dumb. Right? And sheep... And we've got a dog that I think is a sheep because he is, you can't even express how dumb that dog is. So, so the Jews, and about, it, it always offends my family when I talk about how dumb the dog is. So I'm going to have to apologize to them later. But the Jews, who are a lot like us, they were shallow enough to need a clear definition of what loving God with all of their hearts really meant. Okay, now we're just like this. Because think about this. There are some people at your workplace who you could write on a card, here is your vision, here's your objective, and they're going to go and make a list of 40 things they can do. Right? There are other people at your workplace, and this is just because we're made differently. Nobody's better or worse than anybody else. Some people at your workplace... They won't do anything unless you walk them to the machine and say, pull this lever. Right? And then after you pull the lever, you're going to have to train them how to walk across the room and pull another lever. And then they've got to be trained how to go over from that lever and pick up what they just did and put it in the cart. Right? Why is that? Because we're all made differently. And in truth, spiritually, we are sheep. And so the Jews... They said, well, well, how's this supposed to work? We just don't really even understand how we're supposed to love God. And so God said, okay, let me tell you how to love me. Here's, here's what it means. Ephesians 
says that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. And yet husbands have struggled for thousands of years to understand what that means, right? And if we have a list of 12 ways to love your wife, sometimes we feel better about knowing what love means, right? Or you get the book or you get the calendar, 365 ways to love your wife, right? It's got the calendar. And men need stuff like that. It's like, whoa, I never thought of that one, right? And we say that every day. <laughs> it's like, I never thought of this one. And we rip the next page. I never thought of that one. Because what? we need the details. Because when it comes to love, most men are sheep. We're kind of like our dog at the house, right? We're just dumber than dirt, and we can't figure it out. And so sometimes our wife tries to explain to us, this is how you love a woman, right? This is what affection is. This is what adoration is. And we kind of have this pictorial of how it's all supposed to work. Well, God did this for the children of Israel. And if you look at this, look at what he says, verse number two. I'm the Lord God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Here's, here was the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is the first one. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. So that's commandment number two, which was don't make anything that you bow down to. Okay, Only God is to be worshipped. Now, the third commandment, if you get... Uh, to verse number 8. Okay, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So you've got that, that important commandment. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And uh, you keep going and you find these commandments that God is giving. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand that these commandments that God has given to us, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Okay, verse number seven. Skip that one. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number eight, number four is verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These first four. Just think of these first four for a minute. Here's, here's what God's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach us. If you are able to keep the first four commandments out of the Ten Commandments, it will only be because you love the Lord your God with all your heart. It will be because you want to, not because you have to. See, the the only one who can keep those first four commandments is somebody who really loves God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That means you can't put anything before God. I mean, we do it all the time. We put ourselves before God. We put things before God. We put sports before God. We put other people before God. And and so only those who really have a heart for God could keep the first one. The second one was an actual tangible thing. Don't make anything that you bow down to. Now, in the Old Testament, that's a different application. In the New Testament, kind of in our era, we have things that we make all the time that we begin to worship and bow down to. Taking God's name in vain. That seems to be an important one, doesn't it? Not to use his name lightly, 
Not to invoke God's name and the plans for your life when God hasn't really led you to do something. Well, God's led me to divorce my wife. Right? I've had people actually sit there and tell me that before. Like, God led you to... God led me to have an affair because I just had needs. God led me to rebel against my parents. They were just so overbearing. Right? What, you, what is that really? It's taking God's name in vain. It's saying that God has led you to do something that God is nowhere near. And then, of course, taking God's name in vain, we do that in our speech as well, where we use God's name in a flippant way or in a, even as a curse word. Remember, the Sabbath day is, is keeping that time for God and that place where God is so valuable and so important. And I, I, I was reading about uh, the young man, uh, somebody's going to have to help me with this, Chariots of Fire, uh, the guy's name, the runner, Lydell, Eric Lydell. Uh, 1924 Olympics, he refused to run in his best event because it was scheduled on a Sunday. And uh, he was known for that for the rest of his life. Now, three days later, he won an event that he was horrible at, won the gold medal, the 400 meters. It was a miracle. You, sh- you should read about it. Um, there's some great books that have been written on him. But that's the principle of the first four commandments. And every one of those first four commandments, you know what it points to? Having a relationship with the Almighty. The only way you possibly can keep all four of those is to really, really love God. That's, that's the only way you can do it. And so the Ten Commandments, when you break it down that way, the first four have to do with love the Lord your God. Now come back next week and we'll hit the last six because they have to do with what we're going to talk about next week. Okay? You won't kill anyone if you keep next week's command. <laughs> right? You, you won't lie about people and manipulate them if you keep next week's. I mentioned Deuteronomy 6 earlier and I want to go back there for just a second. As we get into this next part of the message, and this is really uh, kind of the conclusion of, of everything that we've talked about today. Deuteronomy 6, look, look again. This is Moses talking at the end of his life. He says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 12. And we're going to see how Jesus phrased this in Mark's account in the Gospels. So Mark chapter 12. I'm telling you, if we miss this commandment, we miss the whole thing, right? If we miss this one, there's no hope of keeping any of the rest of them. So Mark 12, verse number 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. So this last part of our message is heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've seen in the Ten Commandments the definition or the manner in which God was to be loved. Nothing should come before him. Nothing should replace him. The graven images, right? 
Nothing should be empty in the way we worship him. We shouldn't take his name in vain. We should honor his holy days, and we should remember the Sabbath as he set it forth. But now we're going to see the path of the great commandment and, it, and the way that it speaks to the motives and the emotions behind our love. So this isn't the manner of how we love. This is the motive of our love. And so first it's listed here, the heart. Now think about this. The heart is a very common word in Scripture. It's used over a thousand times. And in some cultures, the way they translate it is the liver. Right? Did you ever think this is crazy, right? I love you with all my liver. Because <laughs> the liver, you know, has more functions than any other organ in your body, and you can't live without it. You can't live very long without your heart either. But the, the heart here is, is the way it's used in English. And sometimes the heart is used to talk about the whole inner man, right? But if that were the case here, we wouldn't need the other three words. And so that's probably not what it is. And sometimes the heart is used to talk about the emotions or the seat of our thoughts or the seat of our emotions. But that doesn't seem to be it either because the soul and mind are mentioned in this passage. And so what the heart seems to be referring to in this passage, in the context, is having an authentic love for God. Another way the Bible says it is a true heart. Not a hypocritical love. Not a double-minded love. Not a say one thing with human beings, but not really do it internally type of love. This love the Lord your God with all your heart means to not have a divided affection. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, remember this? You cannot serve God and mammon or worldly things. Remember what he said in that same part? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So that's the heart that we're talking about here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart or with the way that you're focusing, right? Because what you focus on is what you love. And so having a heart for God is the first part of keeping the great commandment. But then there's the soul. And when we think of the soul, we think of the inner being, your true emotions. It's really the real you. It's not uh, who you look on the outside, it's who you are on the inside. And so it's loving God with your core being, with your feelings, with your emotions, with every fiber of who you are as a person. Then we've got love the Lord your God with not only your heart and your soul, but with your mind. And what that's saying is this isn't a blind love. This is not a blind devotion. It is a thoughtful love. If you've ever been to other parts of the world, and even in the United States, you can see people who go to worship idols, right? People who go to worship false religions, and they do it mindlessly. And you can watch them in other parts of the world where they get up early and they're dedicated to the task, but they go and they put down their, their bowl of fruit or their bowl of vegetables or whatever their produce was or their gold or their silver, and they do it to a God who's completely impersonal. It always strikes me so strangely in India because they claim to have over 330 million gods. 
Right? Can you even imagine this? Like to even name their gods one per second, it would take you 13 years if you did one per second, didn't eat or sleep. And you think they know who their gods are? It's impersonal. They have no relationship with God. There's no mind in that. There's no intellect involved in that. That is just a rote exercise of saying that I love a God so that I can have good karma or so that when I die, I can come back better than a cockroach. It's really what that is. Okay? Now, as Christians, we are privileged to be able to have a mind and an intellect for the God of creation, for the one who actually made us and loves us. And so this isn't showing up at a temple for idols. This means you consider that God has a plan for your life. You consider how God has gifted you to live for the purpose that he's given you. You consider what resources he's given you to manage. You consider how you can be a good steward of time he's given you. There's some mental activity required to love the Lord your God this way. He's not only in your words, but it's in your thoughts. You consider God first in all of your choices, in all of your partnerships, in all of your relationships. It's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? This is a little bigger than it looks on the surface. So you got love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Put all your energy into it. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. And certainly that should be true when it comes to our devotion to God. And so, you know, our love for God is to be completely sincere. It's to be focused and fervent. It's to be thoughtful and reasoned. And it's supposed to be energetic, where we put every fiber of our being into it. And when, when we describe the love for God this way, here would be the question I'd kind of want to close with today. Have you ever loved God like this? With every fiber of your being, focused, sincere, thoughtful, energetic. Now, there are probably some things that you have loved this way, where you've been authentic and warm and thoughtful and committed. But has God ever been at the top of the list? Has he ever even been on the list? Are you a lover of God in name only? Or is it real? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's not about the rules. That's about the relationship. When John said, this is love that we keep his commandments. We said, well, what is your commandment? The commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And what if today, as we close the message, what if we went deep inside of that heart, soul, mind, and strength and said, God, I haven't been as focused on the relationship as I should be. I have not had any feeling towards you. My emotions have been dry and dead towards you. 
I haven't been thoughtful in my relationship with you. I've kind of showed up at church, and yeah, I own a Bible, and I know how to sing hymns, and I know how to do a, a public prayer, but I haven't put any thought into it for a while. I haven't put much energy into loving you. What if we got to a point today where love does? Love actually does something. It's not just a word. It's not just something we say about God. It's who we actually intend to be toward God. So this this is a big commitment for us, I believe, at this time in our lives. Let's bow in prayer this morning. And as we bow, I'm just going to invite you right now to go deep in the recesses of your own heart. Go into that core being of who you are. And would you express to God right now whatever it is that's on your heart? Maybe you just say, God, I really do love you. I haven't done much. I haven't acted on that. But I want to do more. Maybe if you were honest and you're real, you would have to go to God and say, God, I don't know of a time where I've actually loved you like this. Maybe you need Jesus in your life. Maybe you're trying to keep commandments and you're not even part of the family. You've never been born into the family of God. However God's working in your life, would you take it to Him right now? Would you verbalize it in your heart to Him right now? Our Father, if we said this morning that we love you, we don't want it just to be a word. We don't want it just to be another trite expression. We don't want it to be a checklist where, oh, showed up here, did this. Love God. We want it to be authentic. We want it to be focused. We want it to be honoring to you. We want it to be thoughtful. We want to have some emotion behind it. And Lord, we want to be energetic about the way we love you. We want our love for you to be real. So I pray that you would come down in this place this morning and that you would help every heart in this room to connect with you on this first, this great commandment. Because, Lord, we can't go anywhere in our love unless we start here. We cannot possibly have the love for others that we're supposed to have if we don't love you. I pray that you would work in each of us in a very special way. Guide us now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I dismiss you, let me remind you of a couple of things.